Good morning. When I imagine your faces looking through the directory or seeing some of you on Zoom, I long to have the chance to have a conversation with you. I want to ask, how are you doing? How are you and yours holding up and finding your way these days? I'm curious, are you like me, badly in need of a haircut? And also experiencing a mix of emotions which can vary week to week, day to day, and even hour by hour. Some nagging fears, flashes of anger, a heart full of gratitude when seeing people's compassion for one another, tears that come unexpectedly. I'd also like to know what have been the hardest parts for you of living under the stay-at-home orders. And what's bringing you peace these days? Have you stumbled upon any surprising moments of joy along the way? Like everyone, I'm finding my own way these days, and I notice how much I want to hear the pandemic stories of others. When friends or family or even people in the news share their unique experiences in the midst of all this, it helps me to more fully grasp the scope of what we're going through. And it also reminds me of what is universal in our experiences. Mennonite historians have already started collecting stories of faith and life during the reign of COVID-19. They're asking the question already, how did Mennonites live and respond to this global crisis? If you'd like to contribute your experiences, check out the bulletin announcement about that. Because as we all know, there's no easy to follow blueprint for navigating life in the midst of a global pandemic. As a colleague of Dave's used to say, we're building this plane as we fly it. And I know that we staff and lay leaders have certainly felt that way many times over the last eight or nine weeks. Given the sweeping and unprecedented nature of this pandemic, we'll be processing our experiences for years. But where does that leave us now? As Soren Kierkegaard noted, life can only be understood backwards, but it must be lived forwards. In the moment, that means we're often left stuttering, searching for the words to express, grapple with, and begin to integrate what's happening around and within us now into the bigger story of our lives and faith. The Book of Psalms is associated with divine worship in Israel. This anthology of poetic prayers includes hymns of praise, liturgical words, individual and communal laments, and wisdom teachings. In the later Jewish and Christian traditions, followers have learned to pray with the Psalms, finding in them words to express the most deeply felt experiences of life. And in this sense, I think Psalms can also be approached as a collection of spiritual memoirs of a community of people processing the stark realities of the lives they are living. Stretching over a period of more than 500 years, these memoirs reveal a rich and varied story of human beings in frank and holy conversations with God and one another. Since their writing, the honesty and depth of these conversations have challenged generations of people to have brave and sacred conversations of their own. I think the Book of Psalms offers a timely example for us as individuals and a community now in the midst of this pandemic. 
As we struggle with our own life experiences, what happens when we find the courage to express our deepest laments, fears, faith, doubts, and praises in conversation with God and one another? And how might more intentionally doing this help us to begin to make sense of these experiences and weave them into our life stories in ways that are meaningful for us and others? This week, I happened to read a journal and journal article that our son Alec wrote about the German novel Pays Liebe, Pays Love, a story about Rosarius, a man with an age-related disability, and Annie, his caretaker. The novel sounded so good it made me wish I could reach, read German. Having had a stroke that makes his speech difficult, Rosarius communicates with Annie through phrases from Hyperion, an old piece of literature that he had long ago memorized and that she is inspired by him to read. Alec wrote that by reciting lines from Hyperion, telling their stories in order to establish or rewrite their stories, and listening to one another, Rosarius and Annie forge a special bond. Throughout the novel, literature and life flow into and out of one another. When Rosarius's speech is faltering, he recites lines from Hyperion to communicate what he really means to say. Rosarius and Annie experience the struggle for meaning that surrounds words and, finds that, and find that the poetry helps them to be more present to themselves, cope with their memories, losses, and fears, as well as build relationships in the present moment. Alex's article struck me because I think that this gets at what can happen when we engage psalms as spiritual memoirs, especially at times when life experiences threaten to overwhelm us. It's often then that we struggle to find words our own speech faltering in the face of whatever is happening. I find it can be a comfort to be reminded of a people whose life experiences threaten to overwhelm them too. When we hardly know what to say, their words can calm us, and even the patterns of a psalm can feel like a lifeline. Psalm 22 is one of my favorite psalms for just that reason. It begins with the verse Jesus himself turned to while being crucified. Then the psalmist's struggle between faith and doubt continues. And it reminds me so much of my own inner debate. And maybe you can relate to that too. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Yet you are holy. In you our ancestors trusted and you delivered them. But I am a worm, and not human, scorned and despised. Yet it was you who took me from the womb. You kept me safe in my mother's breast. On you I was cast from my birth, and since my mother bore me, you have been my God. Do not be far from me, for trouble is near, and there is no one to help. Many bulls encircle me. I am poured out like water. Dogs are all around me. But you, O oh Lord, do not be far away. O oh my help, come quickly to my aid. Then the writer of this spiritual memoir speaks of rescue and deep gratitude. He immediately looks forward to sharing the whole story with the rest of the community, already anticipating that future generations will hear and recount it. From the horns of wild oxen you have rescued me. 
I will tell of your name to my brothers and sisters in the midst of the congregation. I will praise you. From you comes my praise in the great congregation. All the ends of the earth shall remember and turn to the Lord. Posterity will serve him. Future generations will be told about the Lord and proclaim his deliverance to a people yet unborn, saying that he has done it. In frank conversation with God and each other, our past and present experiences, including our own fierce swings between faith and doubt, can also be a deep spiritual well from which we can draw. As we come together before God, our tentative confessions, our rambling prayers, and our hard questions stand in this long and varied tradition of Psalms, a kind of spiritual memoir that can be meaningful for ourselves as well as for others. Our life as a church at CMCL is already enriched by the many ways that we wrestle with life and faith together through music, poetry, art, and this I believe reflections, for example. Perhaps there are other ways that we might do that too in this season. Maybe through a writing spiritual memoirs class or intergenerational StoryCorps type conversations. Please let me or Susan know if you might be interested in something like that, or if you have another idea. Right now, Worship Committee has invited us to write personal psalms to share, and I'm so grateful to Elizabeth Nestle, who took the time to write one to share in closing this morning. 